Hello, everyone. Welcome to the North Church Podcast. We are so excited you're here. At North Church, our vision is to love God, love people, and follow Jesus. We'll be here every week with a new encouraging message to help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Rodney Fouts with this week's message. Good morning, everyone. All right, it's so good to see you. And we are celebrating today, okay? If you do not know, North Church is uh, four locations. It's one church, four locations. And we have our Freedom House. Come on, ladies that do amazing. And then Oklahoma City. But we have two of them that is celebrating a very special day today, okay? And that is Guthrie and it is Deer Creek, okay? Guthrie is turning three years of age. And Deer Creek is turning one years old today. Come on, isn't that amazing? Yes. We celebrate you. We're excited about what God is doing. And let me just say this. I want to say thank you uh, to those that are in the house in Deer Creek and also in Guthrie. And you've made the journey with us. Uh, You have plowed the ground. You've planted the seed. You've worked hard. You've gotten there to set up. You've got there to tear down. You've been able to invite people. And I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Without you, it cannot happen. Come on, one more time. Would you give it up to all of them that have been a great part, stuck with us, fought through this, and seeing God do great things. We believe at North Church that planting churches is an incredible way to be able to grow the kingdom of God. Okay? Uh, It's not just about staying in our one location. It's about advancing and pushing forward. And stats show that more people come to Christ through church plants than about any other method. And it also be, is able to, it allows us to be able to get people out there using their gifts, using their talents, their giftings. And uh, it just benefits the kingdom all the way around, okay? Now, thinking of that, Deer Creek 1, Guthrie 3, I just thought about this. Would it be neat to be able to go back and see what the pastors were like at those specific ages. What would it be like to see Pastor Samson at one years of age? How about this? Let's look at this. This is Pastor Samson, one year old. Come on, Deer Creek. What do you think about that? Yeah. Isn't he cute? It looks great. And then how about Pastor Hetty at three years of age? Here he is at three years old. Pastor Hetty. He already looks like a winner, doesn't he? Go win. You're joining us now for week number four of the series and that we've entitled Dreamer. It's the life of Joseph. Would you turn with me in your Bible uh, to the book of Genesis chapter number 41. I'm going to start reading with verse number 43. Just to bring you up to speed on this main character who is Joseph. Let me just tell you basically he grew up with a father named Jacob. Okay. Uh, there was 11 other siblings. Uh, he was number 11 of 12. And he was the favored child by his father which led to problems, obviously, okay? Uh, The other brothers got jealous of him. Uh, Then he was given a coat of many what? Colors, uh, which represents that favoritism, which only drove that wedge deeper. The jealousy went to hatred, then plans to kill him. 
Uh, one of the brothers said, hey, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him into a pit and sell him off to somebody so that we can get something out of him. So then they take him and they sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelite traders. They take him to Egypt. There they sell him to Potiphar, who is the chief in command of the armed forces of Egypt, which is the most powerful country on the face of the planet at that time. Okay, are you tracking? And he goes from the bottom of the ladder as a slave all the way up to the top of the ladder, being the personal assistant to this man, leading potentially hundreds, if not a thousand plus people. And so he bounces back. Then he's lied about. He's wrongly convicted for rape. He's thrown into prison. He's shackled to walls. But over time, he begins to bounce back again and begins to be a leader in the prison. Then he helps people out by interpreting their dreams. They get out and set free. He tells them to remember me, but they forget all about him. Okay, and then until two years later, now this is almost 13 years from 17, almost to 30 years of age. Then Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, has these dreams he wants interpreted. No one can interpret them. And so he turns, uh, and the, the cupbearer, who was the one that Joseph had helped kind of get out of prison and interpret the dream, uh, hears that he needs this dream interpreted. He says, I know of somebody, okay. Joseph is called from prison to the palace after he cleans, shaves, gets ready, goes before the Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him the dream, okay. Joseph says, I can't interpret dreams, but God can. And he prays, God helps him interpret the dream. And then overnight, this is how God works, he goes from a prisoner to the prince of Egypt. Which speaks volumes to your situation right now. Don't give up. Keep making the right choices. Keep following God because he can take you out of your prison and move you to the palace. Boom. In a moment's time. Wow. Now here we are. He is now the second in command of all of Egypt. Let's look what it says here. It says, then Pharaoh removed a signet ring from his hand. He placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in a chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down, which is the prophecy, the dream that he had early coming true right here. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you give dreams. Dreams that are not a birth to the heart of man, but from the heart of God that you want us to be able to see done and achieved. And God, I pray that you place them in people's hearts. And God, may we realize that we are favored, that we're chosen, that we're picked of God. And may we walk in that favor today. In Christ's name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Going back to my child, children's younger years, uh, one of the things that Shannon did on, and I did on a regular basis is that we prayed with them every night. We had family devos together. But then after the kids got ready for bed and went to their own specific beds, I would oftentimes, matter of fact, nearly every night, go to their bed. I would kneel down beside them or sometimes crawl up in bed with them, put my arm around them, and I would begin to pray over them. I would pray specific prayers over that specific child but I would always end with the same prayer for each one of them. And the prayer that I would end with with each one of them was a prayer for wisdom, a prayer for courage, and a prayer for favor. The prayer went something like this. I would pray, God, and I would name the child. I would say, give them the wisdom to know what's right, even when it's difficult to see what's right. 
And God, give them courage to do the right thing, even when it's hard. And God, grant them favor from God above, from you above, so that men below can see the favor of God. And I was thinking about this week as a title for my message, Favored. Because I want you to walk in the favor of God, in the blessings of God. And I believe that the favor of God is on each and every one of us to some degree or to some measure for your specific area and situation in life. But let me say something about favor. Favor is not always easy. Matter of fact, with favor often comes pain. With favor comes oftentimes being picked on. It was for Joseph. He was favored, not only by his father, but by his heavenly father gave him a dream. But what did that introduce to his life? Pain. I mean, he was picked, but he was also picked on by others because of the favor on his life. I'm gonna break this down into four different areas that I want you to take note of. First off is this, is the position of favor. I want you to notice the position of favor. When I was 26 years of age, I'd never been on church staff, still hadn't until we started North Church, but I'd never been a youth pastor, never been an associate, but I felt this call to ministry, but I had a degree in biochemistry. But I walked into a meeting and 500 churches in the state of Oklahoma that worked together as a fellowship chose to elect me as the state director of youth ministries. There was 1,500 ministers that picked me. I had never been even a youth pastor. Here I'm going to lead the entire youth efforts for 500 churches and run camps, conferences, missions, endeavors, and all these things. Why me? I was picked. I was favored at that moment. A lot of people wanted it, but God picked me. And I remember receiving a phone call from my mom after she found out of the honor that was given to me. She said to me, she said, Rodney, don't forget. Here's my mom. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget you're my son. Don't forget you were raised on a farm in a small town. And don't forget that just a few years ago, you were milking a cow by hand. (laughs) And it was my mom's way of saying, stay grounded. And remember that true favor doesn't come from an election of men, that true favor comes through the election of God. And what you must remember is that the position of favor doesn't come through people. It comes through God himself. You see, Joseph got a new robe here. Joseph got a new position. But Joseph knew down deep inside that positions didn't make him and that robes did not make him significant. And that is so important to understand because you know what? If you're always praying like this, because this is how we pray, you're going to mess up. God, please give me that position. Give me that title. God, give me that job. God, give me that money. You're missing the point. We need to change our prayers to pray like this. God, give me favor. God, put me in a position so that I can bring glory to your name and honor to your name because that is much more significance. Because you know why? Because the robe can be stripped from you. And Joseph knew that too well. Okay, he's stepping into his third robe. The first robe was stripped from him. The second robe was stripped from him. 
And now he's been given the third robe because Joseph knew inside that the robe is only a symbol of God's favor. It's not actually God's favor. Because see, you'll be devastated when you think it's all about the robe because the robe can be stripped from you. He had had it stripped from him because his brothers were jealous and hated him. He had it stripped from him later because of somebody who lied about him and claimed that he had raped her. And you know what? Later on, Joseph would have this final robe that was not stripped from him in this while he was living, but it still was stripped from him in death because it's not about the robe. It's about the favor of God and the blessings of God. Another thing is the robe doesn't give you significance. And Joseph knew that. Because see, you'll be devastated if you depend on the robes of this life to give you significance. But if you depend on Jesus, God in heaven, to give you your significance, you'll realize that it cannot be taken from you. Because what you cannot see on the outside is that God on the inside has wrapped around you who are children of God, a robe of righteousness that no man can take away. They can strip you of jobs. They can strip you of titles. They can strip you of money. Come on, sickness can come into your life and strip you of your strength. But when you have the robe of righteousness, no man could take that away. That's something that's given by God alone. Joseph knew this, that real favor was not something he wore on the outside. It was something God had given in the inside. Because everywhere Joseph went, you find this phrase. This is key. The Lord was with Joseph. So think about that. When Joseph's brothers hated him, the Lord was with him. When Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit, the Lord was what? With him. Come on, say it with me. The Lord was with him. When he was sold as a, off to the Ishmaelites and hauled off in the back of a cart somewhere or maybe walking with chains around his neck, the Lord was where? With him. When he was sold off as a slave to Potiphar, the Lord was? When he began to rise to the top as the top slave, the Lord was? When he was lied about and wrongly convicted, the Lord was? When he was thrown into prison, the Lord was? When he was forgotten while he was in prison and he had helped other people out, the Lord was? And when he gets to the palace and stands before Pharaoh and given a new robe, the Lord was? The key to knowing you are favored of God is that the Lord is with you. Second thing is this, is the, the person of favor. This is key to note, the person of favor. You see, Joseph's name, okay, this is key to note. Joseph's name meant God will add. Now, this is odd. Because if you look to Joseph's life up to this point, it looks like all God has done is subtract. Right? Let's be honest. Wouldn't you feel that way if you were in Joseph's shoes? Come on, do you think your condition's bad? He, he had a pretty bad situation going on. But here's what Joseph knew. Is that when God looks like he's subtracting, really odd God, what God is doing is he's pruning. And that is crucial to understand. Because Joseph knows when God prunes, God is just preparing you for growth. 
You see, because I don't know a lot about gardening, but I've been raised on a farm and I do understand a few things about gardening is that really when you prune back something that the gardener knows what they're doing and the short cut back in a small span of time is really about future growth down the road. And Joseph understood that. And I want you to wrap your mind around it because God has called you like Joseph to add. But sometimes there may feel like more subtraction is going on in your life. But you must remember that God's pruning is just cutting you back to prepare you for greater things down the road. Mm, I figured I'd get better response out of that. That's good stuff, folks. The position you are in cannot keep you from being the person God wants you to be. And Joseph knew that. Look at verse 44. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. You see the favor? Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name, a new Egyptian name, Zaphnath Paneah. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asnath. She was the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. Now get this, he was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. Write this down. Favor comes with a price. And some people don't want to pay the price for favor. Anything you do in life is going to come with a price. And that every name change is preceded by struggle. In the Fouts family, we are looking forward, Shannon Arf, to our first grandchild. We're pumped about that. And the carrier of this gift is none other than Haley. And we love her, and we're excited about the new life that's in her growing. And it, but you know what I have found out is that pregnancy is the favor of God, right? It's favor. It's blessing. But if any of you ladies have ever been pregnant, you also know that with favor comes what? Struggle. Comes pain. Come on, I, I watched her when she was early on pregnant and dealing with morning sickness. I watched her as she would go to work every day, working 40 to 50 hours a week and then having to come home to do work and yet being drained, so wore out, she would get home and just fall on the couch and just be zonked because there's a struggle going on. With the favor comes struggle, comes pain, comes issues. And now as she is getting along in the pregnancy, there's other things going on in her body. She is expanding and exploding in places she's never expanded and exploded in before. <laughs> Movement's going on. Growth is happening. And it's not necessarily something that is enjoyable, but it's all part of the favor. And there is going to come a time that they're going to write her, the name of this child on a birth certificate. And this is unique to the, our family possibly because... My son is a firstborn son. Well, I'm a firstborn son. And my dad was a firstborn son. And my grandfather was a firstborn son. And then great-grandfather great -grandfather was a firstborn son. And it's really unique because all of us have RGF names. Okay? My great-grandfather, one of them was Roy Gideon Fouts. And then a, 
and then my dad was Roy Gerald Fouts. I'm Rodney Gavin Fouts. And then Gavin is Rodney, I mean, I'm Rodney Gerald Fouts. And then my son is Rodney Gavin Fouts. And we're all firstborn sons. And I told them in advance, when we found out it was a boy, that you don't have to keep this tradition going. But for some strange reason, they feel this weight upon them to come up with an RGF name. And so they're planning on naming this boy an RGF. But before that child is named, she's going to go through the greatest struggle. And that's the birthing process. It, it, it will make the morning sickness and it will make the, the expanding and exploding pale in comparison. But there always is a struggle before a name. There is always the battle. See, others may see your accomplishments, but not your agony. For Joseph, people may have saw him in the palace, but they didn't see him in the prison. They didn't see him as the slave. They didn't see him being lied about and making the right choices. And sometimes what you do in the dark might not be seen by others in the light. But you keep doing the right things, knowing that God will turn it around for you and that your present agony will be rewarded with accomplishments down the road. You see, every generation must embrace their own God struggle. And Joseph embraced his God struggle. And I believe Joseph remembered the struggle that his father went through, Jacob. Does anybody remember his struggle? Jacob in Genesis chapter number 32 had his own struggle with God. Now, now Jacob's was totally different. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a supplanter. Ja Jacob stole from people. Ja Jacob did not do it the right way. He tried to get the blessing the wrong way. He tried to get the favor his way. And it cost him dearly. Let me just say something. Make the right choices because you're going to have enough pain in life without making the wrong choices. And when you make the wrong choices, you're just inviting it up on yourself. And Jacob, his father, invited pain in his life. But there came a day that he got tired of running from God and getting fake blessings and fake favor. He wanted to wrestle with God. And at the fort of Jabbok in Genesis chapter 32, he wrestles, the Bible says, with an angel of the Lord all night long. And the angel kept saying, let me go. And he says, no, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you give me favor. And before the breaking of dawn, the Bible says that his hip was thrown out of socket and he had a limp for the rest of his life, but his name was changed from Jacob, which meant deceiver, to Israel, which meant prince with God and with man. I love that because it speaks volumes to me. You see, the angel of God could have whipped him in a heartbeat, but really God is not out to destroy you and zap you and win the battles. He's wanting to see you wrestle with him in a determination that says, I desire favor from above, not favor from man. And when you cry out to God and you want that, God will grant that to you. And you may leave with a limp, but your name will be changed. And it's interesting to me that his name was changed to Israel, which meant prince with God and with man. And that his son, Joseph, whose name means God will add, was actually went from prisoner to the prince of all of Egypt. That's awesome. I love it. You see, when we read through the Bible, I want you to start reading through sunglasses. I'm not talking about going home and putting actual sunglasses on. I'm talking not S-U-N, but S-O-N glasses. See Christ 
in everything that you read in the Bible. In fact, Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, was walking on the road to Emmaus, and he talked to two men, two men who were greatly discouraged because they had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who was going to right all the wrongs and establish his kingdom, and now he's dead and gone, and they're talking about him, and Jesus begins to walk them through the scriptures. Look what it says in verse 27 of Luke 24. Then Jesus took them, those two, on the road to Emmaus, through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is key. He said the writings of Moses. What did Moses write? Moses wrote the Torah. Okay? Basically, you go back, and the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Genesis, like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, are all the books that Moses wrote. And Jesus goes back and starts breaking down himself out of those teaching and scriptures. I believe that he got extra excited when he got to Joseph. Because most believe that Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And Joseph was the hope of the world. Matter of fact, Joseph was given the name. The name, you got it? Zaphnath Paneah? What does that mean? Let's look at it. It means three things. Now, different Theologians say different things about this, but all of them kind of agree that it possibly could mean these three things. First off, revealer of secrets. Okay, Joseph revealed secrets, right, through the dreams. But what did Jesus Christ do? He has come to reveal the secrets of man. He has come to speak life into you. He's come to convict with the power of the Holy Spirit that if you've got hidden sin, he wants to reveal hidden sin, not to expose you before man, but to expose you before God so that you can experience eternal life in Jesus Christ. He also wants to reveal secrets in you so that you can unlock the keys of the kingdom of God and experience more of that God has for you. How about the second thing? God speaks and lives. Well, God is speaking and living through Joseph. Who's Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us, who spoke and who lives. And how about Savior? Joseph was named the savior of the world. The known world of that time would have been devastated without him because he developed the plan of action, developed the storehouses, developed what the farmers should do to bring in their crops so that when the famine hit, they could actually be saved. And he actually saved his own family line because they came from starvation over into Egypt to buy food and they had no idea that Joseph was the one responsible for it. Now think about that because there was a man 2,000 plus years ago, 1,500 years after Joseph, who would walk the face of this earth and he would be the final savior of this world. He would came to seek and to save that which is lost. His name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. And we have that hope in him. The next is this, write this down, is the posterity of favor. The posterity of favor. Few weeks back, we we're having our mentoring training here at the church. I'd encourage all of you to do that. Phenomenal. It's a one day session that is the best teaching you're going to possibly get on mentoring, and it will shape you, help you, encourage you, challenge you, and give you the tools you need to mentor. But I was in this time of, and I kept getting these texts that Jerry Ginzer was about to pass away. And so as soon as I wrapped up, I headed to the hospital to really just pray over the family peace and in this transition. 
And I prayed and we prayed and I got good news. Several weeks later, Jerry is still progressing and doing well. And the doctor said he only has minutes to live. I praise Jesus. But what spoke volumes to me that day was when I saw 50 family members gathered around from the oldest to babies being held. And I saw the favor of God and the blessings of God on generations. And you know what? That's the favor of God. It's not what you live in. It's not what you drive. It's not the title you have or your bank check or your stocks or your retirement. It's what you are passing on to the next generation that really is going to matter when everything is said and done. Look at verse number 50. It says, during this time, this is the time of the blessing, before the famine happened, things are going great. Before the first of the famine, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named the second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief, for the land of my suffering. What does that mean? Come on, sign me up for that. It says, God has made me forget all my troubles. How many like forget some things in your life? Matter of fact, I've been with people, and you, you know what? They, they're so mad and so angry, you can see it on them. I said, I just want to just forget them. Forget them. Forget them. You know, when they walk away with that attitude, they're not forgetting them. <laughs> they're carrying them with them. They're carrying them with them. And I struggle with this verse. Until I dive into Hebrew and begin to look at exactly what that means, it doesn't mean that he actually forgot, but that he forgave. Oh, it says forget. No, no, we understand later on, you'll get to this next week, when he stands before his brothers, he remembers them because you do not forget the face of abusers in your life. You do not forget the face of people who have wronged you, who have disappointed you, who have hurt you. He did not forget. Matter of fact, he found later on that when he recognized his brothers, he knew everyone by name. And when he placed them around a table, he placed them by their age exactly. And they were blown away because they didn't realize what was going on here at the time. He knew exactly, but he forgave. And this is key. He chose not to allow himself to be tethered by the past and to hang on to people who hurt him. And he cut that. He went on with God and realized that, you know what? If I'm going to be fruitful, I've got to forgive the past. And let me just tell you, if you want to be fruitful in your future, you've got to appropriately deal with your past, and that means to forgive those who hurt you in your past. And here's what I get out of this. You see, disunity, unforgiveness, and bitterness are the most lethal things we can pass on to others. But Joseph passed on forgiveness and fruitfulness. And the greatest measure of what you do in life is what you pass on to others. You may have been wrong deeply, but to walk in fruitfulness for the future means you've got to forgive what has hurt you deeply. And it says that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, Jacob is Joseph's father, became the God of of Joseph. Can you put your name to that? Notice verse number 55. It said, eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. 
So with the famine severe everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from who? Joseph, because the famine was severe throughout the world. Now, did you get that? When Pharaoh said, when they went to him, Pharaoh said, go to Joseph, go to Joseph. You see, here's the goal of God's favor in your life. It's so that when you're in the marketplace, when you're at work, when you're at home, wherever you are in life, is that when other people around you are going through difficulties, that you realize that God's favor in my life is to bless and to protect others. And when you live in that favor that way, what's gonna happen is that when people are going through a divorce at work, when people are going through stuff with their kids or they've got a doctor's report that's hard to handle or finances or they've got laid off their job or maybe they're trying to pick where they go in the future and they're in high school and junior high and they don't know where to go, but if they can just get to you, they see God's hand on your life. You know what I wanna be? I wanna be an individual that has the favor of God in my life so that other people see God is with me and God is blessing me. And if they can get to me, they know that I will point them to God. And that's why you're sent every week from this church and to go out to the places that you go is so that other people can have hope in Jesus Christ. The last thing is this is the plan for favor. You got a plan for favor. Okay, I gotta go off on a tangent for just a little bit. How many Dallas Cowboy fans do we have in the house? Okay, raise the on. Some of you are shamed right now, you're embarrassed. <laughs> you're embarrassed, didn't make it again. I understand, I understand, I understand. How many New England Patriots do we have in the house? Come on, me and my sister there. Come to my house, watch the Super Bowl. We're going to cheer on the Patriots. I've been a Patriots fan since 1978. They didn't go to the first Super Bowl to 1985, so don't say I jumped on the bandwagon. I've been a Patriots fan ever since then. But I started praying. <laughs> this, is the, this is the 11th, 11th Super Bowl they've been to. Since Tom Brady and Belichick, this is the ninth one. They've won five of those. They're going to win their sixth one this year. Please, God. Tom Brady is blowing up. Just the idea that he's 41 years of age and still playing at the level that he's playing in is phenomenal. But if you look at Tom Brady and you read his regimen, his diet, his workout routine, he is planning for the favor. He is saying, I'm not giving up on this dream and I'm going to do whatever I have to do in my life so that I can maximize every ounce of energy and every ounce of strength that I have in me so that I can be the best and stay at the top as long as possible. Here's what, here's what my point of this is, is some of us have dreams and God has done great things in our life, but are you planning for the favor? Are you putting yourself in a position so that you can maximize all the things that God is wanting to do in your life? Does anybody, anybody chasing that? Anybody, does that, does that, 
Are you, I, I see people that God has their hand in life, but they, they just want to kind of live what they want to live and do what they, no, no. What, what are you giving yourself? That's why we have the North School of Ministry so that you can have a plan to maximize. That's why we do groups. That's why we encourage you to dive into God's word every week because that's the bread of life. That's what you really need. You can, you can eat of this world. And, but I'm telling you, the reason why we fast, the reason why we pray is because you realize that you can have a plan. And that plan is that I'm going to do it God's way. And when I do it God's way, then it's something about the windows of heaven open and I can begin to receive more than I've ever received before. And again, that favor and blessing doesn't mean you're going to be in the palace. You may be in the prison. You may be in poverty. You may be in struggle. But when the God of this heaven is with you, you will succeed. When he is with you, that's what favor is all about. And that's what Joseph knew. Under your seat is a card. I want every one of you to grab it, please. And if you're in... If you're in Deer Creek, somebody handed this to you when you came in. If you did not get it, would you raise your hand and somebody will hand this to you. And this card at the very top of it says dreamer. And what I want you to do is for the next two minutes, we're just gonna give a couple minutes, I'm gonna pray. And then we're gonna have two minutes for you to write down the dreams that God's placed in your life. If you don't have a dream, you know what you need to do? Do like Jacob, his father, get alone with God and have a wrestling match with him and say, God, I need a dream from you. Not something that's my own. For some of you, whatever you write may grow into a notepad, into a computer, word processor, whatever it is, just, just right now begin to write things down after I pray. And if you're here and you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. And next week, for every single person, we're having water baptism. And we're gonna be baptizing people who have made a decision to follow Jesus. If you want that, let us know by marking your communication card. I want us to pray. Father, would you close your eyes at all locations? And after I say amen, begin to write what God has placed in you. Father, I pray now by the power of your spirit, the power of your spirit, do your work, birth something in our hearts. Put the dream there, God, the dream that only you can give. I pray this in your name, your son's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the North Church Podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered by the word of God. For more information about North Church, check out our website at north.church. There you can view more messages and join us for experiences live online. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week and remember to love God, love people, and follow Jesus.